Our Old Testament lesson for today is Leviticus chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, which we found on page 168 in your pew Bibles. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for not uh, leaving us alone. God, we thank you for your presence with us. God, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. We pray that this morning you would help us as we read your word and we hear it read and proclaimed. God, that you would help us to understand it. But not just that our minds would be informed, but that our hearts would be transformed more into the people that you have created us to be as we learn what it means to trust you in everything and to follow you wherever you lead. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 11, verses 1 through 8. Not generally uh, something we read on a Sunday morning, but here we go. This is uh, part of the law being given at Mount Sinai. And the people had come out of Egypt, and there they were. Leviticus 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Now, we're going to stop there. It keeps going. You should read all of it. But anyway, uh, our New Testament lesson from John chapter 6, verses 41 through 51, actually picks up where we left off uh, last week in our New Testament lesson from John 6. And uh, Jesus had just declared that he was the bread of life, and we said last week we're going to see this week how everybody responded to that. And here we have the response. Is that this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we read in John 6 there, we have uh, Jesus again saying that he's going to raise people up at the last day. And that's actually the Greek word that's behind that is what's giving shape to our many sermon series within a series uh, last week, this week, and next week. And we're calling this Get Up. Because that's how it actually gets translated in Acts a couple times here. But it's a word that means just you can stand up or you can 
get up or you can be raised from the dead, as we saw last week with Tabitha. And so uh, there is a sense in which the getting up that we're going to be talking about is getting up to a new way of life, getting up in a resurrection way of life, getting up to do things now as those who have been made alive in Christ by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And how everything then is going to look different. And in this, uh, oh, poor Peter. That's who we're <laughs> looking at again today. Peter in Acts chapter 10 and how he is called to get up in a way that he's not real comfortable with. So, let's read about Peter being uncomfortable, and then let's all get uncomfortable together. Here we go. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, just so we set the stage here, we have in one city Cornelius and God appearing to him and saying, go send for Peter. So he sends these men, uh, two of his servants and a soldier, coming to the city where Peter is. Before they get there, while they're still on the way, we have Peter. Okay, in Joppa. Here we go. So, uh, picking up verse 9 again. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them 
and some of the believers from Joppa went along. All right. I see Peter being uncomfortable here. But before we even get to Peter, we're introduced to this man named Cornelius. And Cornelius is not Jewish. And yet, he is somebody we clearly see that God is working in his life. Before, you notice this, before God ever was speaking to Peter, telling him what to do in this situation, he's speaking to Cornelius, right? He's preparing Cornelius. Cornelius is somebody who is ready to hear the message, the good news about Jesus. And all that's required is that somebody who knows the message of Jesus come and tell him, right? And there's this Peter guy who knows Jesus really well and who knows the message and who's staying in a town nearby. It's all set. It's all ready. All we have to do is get Peter to Cornelius. It's done. Except there's a problem. See, God tells Cornelius, go ahead and send some people to go get Peter. But now he's got to make sure that Peter is going to be ready for that invitation. Because by instinct, Peter is not going to be ready for this invitation. In fact, by instinct, we see what Peter responds the first time that this vision happens to him. And he says, lowers the sheet and says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, no way. (laughs) Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. I don't do it. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we don't even understand what this is like. When you hear me talking about this, and we read the passage, and you hear about a sheet being lowered with all these animals, and you're like, okay, this is unclean animals. We picture pig, and so we're like, okay, so God's saying, all right, Peter, get up and make yourself a BLT. And we're like, bacon. I could go for some bacon. If God asked me to go eat some bacon, I think I'd be ready for that. (laughs) I don't know what Peter's thinking, but I'm ready. Give me some bacon. And so we miss it. But what's going on here is much more than just go eat some bacon. (laughs) What's going on here is that Peter is being asked to do something that he has been raised from birth to not do. And to not do because of religious and cultural reasons. We just read from Leviticus where this was part of when God brings the people out of Egypt and he's got them there at Mount Sinai. He says, you are going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to set up this way for you to live that's going to be separate, that's going to be different, where you are going to be a holy people that reflects a holy God to all the people around. You're going to be different. They're going to be able to tell by looking at you. The way that you dress, the way that you look, the way that you behave, the things that you eat, they're going to be able to tell you are different. You're going to be set apart to be my priests for the world to be those who represent the people to me and who represent me to the people of the world. Okay. So this became not only a a religious function, but also a cultural identity. It became a national identity. It was a matter of really core identity to who Peter saw himself to be as an Israelite and as someone who was a part of the family of God. This vision is very instructive because what he's getting ready to be asked to do is go and talk with somebody who doesn't live like this. And in fact, the same way that he was supposed to be not eating these foods, he also had gotten to the point where they were not even associating with people who didn't live like this. So rather than being the priests to the world, they're just becoming cut off from the world. 
And so we have, uh, and so we have Peter being confronted with a question of God saying, "Would you follow me? Would you follow me above your national identity? Would you follow me above uh, your the religious rules you're raised with? Would you follow me above?" All of these things. Would you put me first in your life? But he doesn't ask him that. Not directly, anyway. It's an indirect question. Because if he asked it directly, are you going to follow me above everything? And just puts it in general terms? Of course Peter's going to say yes. Yes, I put you first. I put you above everything. And I'm sure any of us would say the same. Of course I put God first. In general terms. And so God avoids that smoke screen. And he gets right to the heart of the issue. And he says, if I told you to get up and eat a pig, <laughs> would you do that? And Peter says, no, I wouldn't. Because this is getting at something much deeper and instinctual and knee-jerk reaction than just a theoretical question of would you follow God? One of the things that, um, that is behind these clean and unclean laws we see throughout Leviticus is a matter of what is appropriate or inappropriate, what is fitting or not fitting for people who are worshiping this God. And for Israelites then and for us today, we have in our heads not just the kinds of things that are appropriate or inappropriate, but we even have in our heads not the people, but the kind of people who just don't fit. The kind of people who just aren't appropriate for worshiping God in Jesus Christ. We may have in our heads the kind of people who if they walked in here, we would all say, uh, maybe we will politely tolerate you, but you don't really fit. This is what God is getting at with Peter. Cornelius has been prepared. He is ready. But in Peter's mind, he doesn't fit. He's not appropriate. Why would he go tell him the good news of Jesus? So how does God wake Peter up? (laughs) Kind of by putting him asleep. He has this trance, this vision. He's hungry. He's staying at a tanner's house. Who knows what's cooking down below. And he goes in this trance. He has this vision where God shows him all kinds of animals. The clean ones, the unclean ones. There you go. Get up. Kill and eat. I've been thinking a lot about this passage this week. And trying to think if there's any way that we have today where we could really get inside what Peter's feeling here of that knee-jerk reaction to, of course not, of course not. And I've gone through a lot of ideas, and none of them really hit home. None of them really seem like they would have the same kind of impact. But I got one that might come close. 
And if you come, come up with something better later, you can tell me. I would love to hear it. But what I have is this. I think it's the same kind of knee-jerk reaction anyone might have if, uh, well, it's like the knee-jerk reaction Colin Kaepernick would have if God were to tell him you need to stand for the flag of the national anthem. But more closely than that, I think it's the knee-jerk reaction any white American Christian would feel if God told them to kneel next to him. Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but here's what I want you to know. Anybody right now who's feeling like, I need to pull Joe aside and give him a talking to, because <laughs> he doesn't get it. That's what Peter's feeling. <laughs> That's what Peter's feeling in this moment when God says, get up. He says, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. That's not appropriate. That's not who this, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. God, let me tell you what God is all about. And God says, no, 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 let me tell you. <laughs> this is the same Peter, by the way. This isn't the first time he's told God no. This happened earlier when Jesus, right after Peter says, Matthew 16, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And he says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, this is revealed to you by God. He says, now let me tell you what kind of Messiah I am. And it's not the kind you think I am. I'm the one who's going to go to Jerusalem and who's going to suffer and who's going to die. You remember what Peter does? He doesn't say, yeah, 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 that's what I thought. <laughs> he pulls Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him and say, no, 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 no. You're not that kind of Messiah. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. In other words, we don't get to tell God who he is. He gets to tell us. And the question is, are we going to listen? And that was the question for Peter. And this is the way that God got to him to wake him up to what God was doing in Peter's life and in the life of the church as now he was going to go from taking the message to people who were already Jewish to people everywhere around the world, whoever they were, whether they seemed to Peter the right kind of person or not, whether they seemed to Peter as though they fit or didn't fit, or were appropriate, or inappropriate. In our eyes, there are all kinds of people that are the wrong kinds of people. But in God's eyes, every kind of person is someone who has been created in his image and who can be his own child through Jesus. The question is, is there anybody who's going to tell him? That was the issue with Cornelius. God was working in his life, preparing him. And the question now is, is Peter going to go tell him? And the good news we see at the end of this is he is. And we'll get into that and how that goes next week. And this is good news for any of us who see ourselves as Cornelius, who understand that we are all the wrong kind of people <laughs> in one way or another. And it's really good news that this message is for more than just Israel, but it's for the whole world. But we'll get to that next week. This week, we're looking at ourselves as Peter. And how do we react when we think that God might be sending us to the wrong kind of people? And what does that look like? So here's my challenge for us this week. Um, and that is, in your own 
mind, you probably have people that come to mind who would fit in that category of the wrong kind of people. People that you um, interact with, whether regularly or infrequently. And my challenge is, I want you to identify them by name. And in your own praying, so-and-so, in my mind, is the wrong kind of person. And I want you to start praying for them, that God would be working in their life by name, that God would be working in their life, preparing them to hear the good news of Jesus, and then pray for them that God would send someone to them to tell them the good news, that they would be ready to hear it. And then pray for yourself that if it turns out that you're the one he's sending, he wouldn't have to tell you three times. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.